welcome to our Zurich Risk Insights podcast. This series is all about climate change. I'm your host, Rasheen Geraghty, and in this episode, I'm talking with Alex Bedford, Risk Proposition Manager for Zurich Municipal. And we're going to be discussing how organisations can take steps towards reducing carbon emissions. Alex, in terms of carbon emissions, where can the UK start to take action? Hi, Rasheen. Well, actually, the UK has already taken some big actions at a national level on things like decarbonisation of the power sector and some industries with investments in wind power and tax incentives for electric vehicle use. What we now need is all organisations to be thinking about the emission savings that can be made in key areas such as transport and buildings, development planning and land use, energy production and use, waste, green spaces, and procurement and compliance. Just a few areas then. In this series, we focus on the physical aspects of climate change. How can we adapt our buildings and infrastructure to reduce carbon emissions? Well, all buildings provide decarbonising opportunities in energy efficiency and emission reductions. Where you source your energy from, switching to renewables ideally, Um, but also understanding and reducing how much energy you use, including for your digital activity. These are two key areas, but the spotlight is on homes where the biggest gains can be made. Home energy accounts for around 20% of emissions and four out of every five homes that British people will be living in in 2050 have already been built. So retrofits of current houses will therefore play a pivotal role in meeting the UK's climate target. Residential activity across all sectors is under scrutiny for effective and timely climate change action. Owners and developers can meet the challenge by reimagining housing, both their existing stock and new build, and at the same time improve lives and regenerate communities. The exemplary home strategies limit emissions adapt fast to the way people are living and working and prioritise resilience against present and future extreme weather risk. With a decarbonising mitigation strategy of improved energy efficiency and emission reduction comes adaptation prospects, warmer in the winter, cooler in the summer and flood and storm resilient. The future home standard sets out what is required with new build implementation by 2025, so coming up fast. And any new home that is deemed to be standing in 2050, when the UK will become a net zero carbon emitter, will need to conform now. It just makes sense for any refurbishment or retrofitting planned in 2020 and the following years to exceed minimum standards. So what are some of the operational considerations when changing the way we manage properties in the UK? The fact is that the UK's internationally agreed climate change targets will not be met without almost complete elimination of greenhouse gas emissions from UK buildings. So for any organisations with a property portfolio, the move to non-carbon heating and energy systems is the biggest single transitional investment risk. So for housing providers, whether that be real estate firms, housing associations or others, there are operational considerations. Firstly, fitting appropriate technology to specific buildings through possibly contractual arrangements with new supply chains, including startups. And they need to be commissioning installations from what will be an immature market, perhaps, due to skill shortages and deficits and limited knowledge in these areas currently. They need to build supporting infrastructure to optimise the gains from these new technologies, systems and ways of living. And finally, there is a duty to teach new systems to residents, employees and citizens, again, to optimise the gains 
people must be able to use the new systems. What are some of the operational considerations when changing the way we manage properties in the UK? I see two main challenges and they're the same for other sustainability risk areas we are looking at. So firstly, adapting our buildings, infrastructure and communities to be more resilient to the increasing physical risks from the extreme weather manifesting as a result of climate change takes money, a lot of targeted money. While there is plenty of evidence of how investing now will save costs in the future, preventative funding is always more difficult to secure than response funding. And at a time when finances are tight, being very clear on priorities and strategies and the outcome and impacts you want to achieve is critical. And the other challenge is in how we move from a fragmented approach to this risk area to a joined up, collaborative, consistent and committed effort. There is lots of great work going on in pockets and we need to scale this quickly. So when planning new developments, what are some of the ways organisations can start to make a change? So in our climate change challenge white paper that we recently published, we provide a checklist to help prompt your actions across everything organisations do. But I would say in terms of planning and development of new developments, there are four key areas from that list. Firstly, new assets. So making any new build assets that you're putting in place efficient, resilient and future proof. For example, new homes should be carbon neutral, water efficient and cold, heat and flood resilient. But they should also be built to include things like working from home space to enable the wider adaptations residents will be making. There should be no floodplain development unless long term risk mitigation is identified and very importantly, delivered. Secondly, infrastructure. It is vital that new developments are connected to the right types of infrastructure, so we are not building in emissions increases rather than decreases. Aligning infrastructure plans and projects to climate change commitments and ambitions should enable this. Ensure plans for transport expansion, so roads, rail and air, are compliant with those climate change commitments and encourage active travel options where possible. Prioritise sustainable projects and those offering resilience against climate change effects like flood defences and alleviation. And offset major development with environmental compensation such as tree planting, rewilding and green space creation. Thirdly, planning where you can influence and oversee new development sites, land use and climate change adaptations and mitigations. For example, deter floodplain and greenfield development, encourage brownfield development, influence the use of attenuation ponds and sustainable drainage systems and manage paving over front gardens where you can. And then fourthly, parks and open spaces. So green infrastructure and outside space use will increase with milder winters and hotter, drier summers. The importance of this amenity has been highlighted in recent months. So create community woodlands, provide wildlife areas and promote biodiversity, provide allotments and garden projects for growing food, all those as part of your new developments. Thanks Alex. So it sounds like we're at a critical point in the UK. What's next? So our message here at Zurich is that all organisations need to be ready to seize opportunities, fulfil potential and deal with challenges head on to start to address climate risk. It's described as an emergency for a good reason. The time to act is now. So we would ask you to take action where you can now and introduce climate action into every conversation you're having in your organisation. 
question decisions that have climate warming consequences. Influence on changes to regulation standards, policies and targets if you can, but also develop your own standards, codes, plans, policies and programmes to encompass climate change. Really important that you work with partners, stakeholders, citizens and your residents towards creating zero carbon communities and also that you manage and work with your existing supply chains and contracts, establishing the carbon credentials of partners and suppliers and where you have to developing alternatives to existing supply chains and utilities to better achieve your climate target. And finally, uh, bringing the whole podcast series together, strengthen the physical resilience and sustainability of your assets that you already have within your organisation. So we've established over these podcast episodes that there's a lot of work for organisations and governments to do to curb carbon emissions, but everyone can help in their own way. So what's one thing you do in your household to live more sustainably? So working in the area of sustainability um, recently has led me to really challenge myself on this question, actually. So fortunately, I've been vegetarian for over 30 years and we use a renewable energy supplier, but I'm now looking at what we consume because that can part of the story is sometimes hidden. Uh, We're actually just completing a house renovation and extension and I'm trying where possible not to buy anything new to go in it. So upcycling what we have, buying secondhand pieces, etc. So we'll see how that goes. But to date, I'm finding that I'm getting much more original pieces of furniture and furnishings. That sounds fantastic, Alex. I'm also doing a house renovation and I've never thought so much about the insulation in my walls um, (laughs) rather than the fixtures and fittings on the outside of them. Thank you so much for being on this episode. More detailed information about how organisations can adapt to the physical risks of climate change can be found in Zurich's The Climate Change Challenge white paper, which you will find on our content hubs. We hope you have enjoyed listening to this episode. 